The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, a special edition on a Saturday as we uh, talk about the Giants-Lions preseason game. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube and subscribe across the Big Blue View Radio Network. We always appreciate your support, so thank you for that. And uh, joining me today is Big Blue View's Tony Del Genio as we talk about a real, live, honest-to-goodness New York Giants football game. How you doing this morning, Tony? I'm doing great. It's football season again. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's it, it's time for, for gnashing of teeth about... <laughs> Terrible special teams play by the New York Giants, I guess. But uh, we'll it's get to that. Yes, it is. It's a tradition. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to a lot more uh, as we just talk about impressions of uh, of Friday night's game. But, Tony, let, let, let's start with something a little more positive. Let's start with Tommy DeVito, sure. former Syracuse, former Illinois quarterback. And anybody that listens to to my shows that that reads my stuff on Big Blue View, anybody that listened to my appearance the other day on Pat Trainer's Locked On Giants podcast knows that I haven't exactly been complimentary of Tommy DeVito. And I challenged him the other day on uh, on on Patty's podcast. I challenged him to prove me wrong. And last night he took a big step toward doing that. That's the best I've seen DeVito. Um, just, uh, your thoughts on, on, on watching DeVito last night. Well, you know, maybe some guys just step up on game day. They don't practice well and, uh, but they, but they play well. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought DeVito, I mean, maybe great is too strong a word to use, but considering the circumstances that he was facing last night, namely a, a backup offensive line that was just awful most of the game and he was under pressure consistently uh i thought he showed good pocket presence uh stepping up to avoid the rush sometimes and uh, you know getting passes off completing a number of of passes and understanding i I, maybe i'm reading too much into this but maybe understanding game situations a little bit and, and kind of knowing what to to do with the ball in particular situations and i came out of that game thinking to myself well, he looks like a viable 
QB three. I mean, yeah, we're not asking too much of a QB three, and maybe you'd rather have uh, one of the more ballyhooed uh, prospects uh, that the Giants, you know, could have drafted but chose not to to draft uh, last year. But I've seen worse. Hi, uh, you know, if, if you if you look a couple of years back at who the Giants had as depth at quarterback, Tommy DeVito does not look worse than what the Giants had a couple of years ago. I'll say that. No, he definitely does not look worse than uh, than Jake Fromm. Let's uh, let, yeah. let's put it that way. Um, you know, I thought that in his game review and his things that we learned, I thought that Chris went a little overboard Friday night saying that he showed enough that a year from now, the Giants could get rid of Tyrod Taylor and DeVito could be QB2. I think, I think it's way too soon to go there, but I have been saying all along that even what I wrote on Friday was DeVito, I gave him the, the practice squad quarterback spot by default because there wasn't anybody else. And I thought Friday night that what he did was show that that he could actually be a viable alternative for that for that job. Yeah, I mean, he looked better to me. For example, uh, if you want to just do a direct comparison, he looked better to me than Nate Sudfeld did. And Nate absolutely, Sudfeld, Nate Sudfeld's been around for several years, as Giants fans well remember from from 2020 final game of the season. Uh, and doesn't look like Nate Sudfeld has progressed much as a quarterback since that time. And and so Devito, you know, just kind of playing for the first time i thought outplayed him under worse circumstances than sudfeld had to face and i did think that if you compare first half to second half when yes the giants were still playing a sort of makeshift backup offensive line but at least they were playing guys who we know will be on the roster for the most part with the exception maybe of Corey cunningham but uh but he was actually he he was throwing to guys like Cole Beasley and Jamison Crowder, and it looked like actual NFL offense. So right. you know, so so that was a good thing, really good, really positive night for uh, for for Tommy DeVito. Um, other than rookie center John Michael Schmitz, not a really good night for the offensive line. I mean, if you if if you want to wake up on this this Saturday morning as we do this show and be happy, just just think about the fact that that John Michael Schmitz looked like a viable starting NFL center and, and forget about the rest of the guys that played offensive line last night. Yeah, I thought it was for the most part uh, horrendous. Uh I mean Corey Cunningham was played about as poorly as I think it's possible to play, except that Wyatt Davis was even worse, but at least Wyatt Davis gets a little mulligan because they made him play tackle last night, and he's not a tackle. He's a guard, so you can say, well, okay, tackle's a harder position to play, and it's not his actual uh, position, but Wyatt Davis certainly did not do anything to to give you confidence that, that, that he can actually function in the NFL. But Corey Cunningham, I mean, looks to me like somebody who's – who's got to be waived pretty soon uh, because he, he showed absolutely nothing all night. No, you're, you're right. And I think that, you know, people also have been jumping up and down about Matt Parrott lately. And, and, you know, some people think he has to make the roster. I think he's a bubble player. I didn't think he was all that good last night, 
comparatively, when you look at Wyatt Davis and when you, when you look at what Corey Cunningham did, comparatively, he looked fine, but he really didn't play all that well. I think that what people are forgetting is the third tackle on the New York Giants is Tyree Phillips. Tyree Phillips played played good football in, I think, five starts last year for the Giants in relief of, of Evan Neal. There's nothing to suggest that Tyree Phillips will not make the Giants roster in 2023. He got banged up during the joint practices. He didn't play last night. At best, to me, whoever makes the roster out of that group of Pear Cunningham, Devery Hamilton, who's another guy who is a real actual NFL tackle, you know, who was banged up and didn't play last night. Whoever makes the Giants roster out of that group, if any of them do, is at best offensive tackle four for the Giants. So I'm just not going to flip out about it. And I did give Wyatt Davis a wet willy last night, but but he he does deserve some, you know, he, he does deserve a little bit of a break because I don't think he's I don't think he's even practiced there. I think it was just, you know, somebody's got to go out there and we'll stick Davis out there because he's not making the roster anyway. <laughs> so, so you know, but but it was but it it was ugly. What concerned me a little bit more about the offensive line play, Tony, was that in the first half, when Josh Azudu was at left guard and Ben Bredesen was at right guard. Neither one of those players looked all that good. I think Bredesen gave up a sack last night. You know, I don't know if he was officially charged with giving up a sack, but I didn't think, and I think Ben Bredesen played well for the Giants last year. I think they like Josh Azudu, but I just, I didn't think either one of those guys distinguished themselves last night at all. Yeah, well, that's what that's what I felt as well. I was going to bring that up. If you didn't, uh, I thought I thought it was, their play was very disappointing last night. I, I say, especially Bredesen, who who you know looked like he's had a pretty good camp, and I thought was settling in at one of the two guard positions. I mean, if you watched last night, you you know you basically saw kind of an an arrow shaped protection shell for, for Tommy DeVito with, with John Michael Schmitz mostly holding his ground at the point, but the two sides kind of collapsing the back on, on either end. And, and while that was mainly a tackle problem, it was partly a guard problem too for the giants. And, uh, and, you know, by comparison to the lions who were also playing their backups, you know, the Lions uh, offensive line actually gave Sudfeld some time, part of the time, not all the time. They didn't play great either, but but they, they clearly pay, played better to me overall than, than the Giants line did. And you know, this is something to me that's that's really, really worrisome about the Giants is, is you know, not just the starting offensive line where you kind of hope that things are starting to to fill in. Uh, a little bit, and we cross our fingers that Evan Neal takes a big step up and becomes a, a, at least an adequate right tackle this year. Uh, 
but you also kind of hope that the depth fills in too, because you know that you're going to need depth on the offensive line during a football season. I mean, those guys, those guys play the most physical punishing position uh, in the game, I think. And, and you know that they're going to get hurt and you, you hope that there are capable backups that can fill in. Uh, and so, so not only the, the, the players you mentioned that I think have been disappointed, but even like, even like somebody like Jack Anderson, for example, just to pick out a, a, a random person who I was actually thrilled when the giants picked him up from the Eagles because he had a fairly good rep and was thought to be somebody who had a future in the NFL. Well, he also looked awful last night during the time that he was in there. And, and yeah, I say, well, where are they going to find, where are they going to find this gem for the offensive line that, that, that nobody else knew about, but, but they knew about, and I'm not seeing it yet. And I still, I think the offensive line is still a very big question mark going in. Granted, I'm overreacting because it was, it was the backups last night, but still you, you want to see that depth and I don't think they have it. Yeah, I just, you know, I for starters, I want to see better play from Mizzoudu and Bredesen. I was disappointed by that last night. I know Brian Dable was disappointed by some of their inability to get a yard on, on a few occasions when they needed a yard. And, you know, and that was with Mizzoudu and Bredesen and Schmitz in the game. And and that wasn't on Schmitz. Mm-hmm. That, that was more on, on the guards. I think... The Giants are okay through seven offensive linemen. If you look at, if, if you want to call, um, you know, if you look at Tyree Phillips as one of the backups, you look at uh, at either Azudu or Bredesen. I think they'll be okay through seven. I I was disappointed with what those two guys did last night. Very very curious to see what happens in the coming days and over the last couple of preseason games. Very curious to watch Marcus McKethan. Fifth-round pick out of North Carolina a year ago. Missed all of last year with a torn ACL. Came off pup the other day, and the Giants didn't play him last night as he kind of ramps up. Kind of unfair to throw a guy into to game conditions just a couple days after he comes off the pup list. Very curious to see what McKethan can do, to see if he can be a guy who's viable depth for them, either at guard or or I don't see if, I don't see him as a tackle, but the Giants have used him there a little bit or did last year a little bit. So very curious to see what they have with McKethan. Yeah, and I th- and, and I think to me this is maybe uh, the most obvious uh, aspect, but, but part of the larger picture that we have to remember about the giants is that the giants are coming out of a, a very long period of, of poor personnel decisions, whether it, whether it be free agents or waiver claims or, or draftees uh, and really not well draftees, especially in the later rounds. That's a, that's a pet peeve of mine, but uh, uh and and you know now all of a sudden we're getting excited because it looks like the giants have have added some really interesting players in the last couple of years uh some of the existing players have matured and now you know naturally they made the playoffs last year and people are hoping for more this year and so on and so forth but i think what you see in games like last night is that you know you don't rebuild a 53 man roster overnight and the Giants seem to be a lot stronger at the top overall, and this is not just the offensive line, but overall, uh, than, than they were a couple of years ago. 
but where you really see the, the 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 damage from previous years, I think, is is in the back end of the roster where they they just don't have the, the depth guys that other teams do. I mean, you look at Detroit, which has had a, a similarly bad record for a long time, but maybe started their rebuild a year earlier, I believe, like than the than the Giants uh, did with with Campbell, I believe. Um, you know, I, they, they look farther along to me. It looks like they have more skill, especially they have more skill along both lines and more depth uh, along both lines than than the Giants have. And so that's something I think that worries me about the Giants this year. Um, the season may, may go great as long as the starting players stay healthy. But once they start to go down with injuries, I'm not sure how much the Giants have to back a lot of these people up. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. It's uh... People have to remember that, as you said, the Giants had a a surprisingly good year in 2022, but they are not a finished product. I believe that the roster is better, you know, overall. There is depth in some places, but I do think there's still work to be done. There's work to be done you know, on, on the, in the defensive backfield, in terms of depth, there's work to be done at linebacker and at edge. And you always need to continue to build offensive line talent. You, you really should never go an NFL draft cycle without drafting something along, along both of those lines. And that was a mistake that I know Dave Gettleman made at least once during his giants tenure, you just, whether you think you've got, you know, a starting group or not, you have to continue to add to that group. So the Giants are still a work in progress. That said, I do think, I do think there's better talent, you know, all, you know, along the roster, across the roster than there was when the Giants ended last season. So steps in the right direction, but it doesn't mean that the Giants are there yet. It doesn't mean that they've caught the Dallas Cowboys in terms of talent. They may have closed the gap a little bit on the Eagles, but you know, but they're not there yet. They're they're still steps away from from getting to that point. So, but we'll see. We got two more preseason games, and we'll see if some if if some more of those depth guys. And you know, like I said, I'm I'm interested in McKethan. I was really happy last night on the defensive line with the play of uh, of Jordan Riley, guy who I had not seen much from. But to be honest with you, he's a I don't know when I think about it, you know, what was I expecting? He's a six foot five, three hundred and twenty-five pound nose tackle whose job is to swallow up double teams and hold the point of attack while doing it. And what was I expecting to see in, in shorts and t-shirts? But since the pads have come on, you begin to see he doesn't make a ton of plays. He doesn't make a ton of tackles. He's not always in the quarterback's face on, on passing plays. But when you try to run the ball up the middle, he swallows that double team. At least last night, what we saw was he doesn't get moved 
And that allows the guys around him to make plays. And, and, and at the very basis of it, that's a nose tackles job. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought he looked nice the little bit. I, I watched him last night while he was in there. I thought he looked better than, than expected. And, and I mean, Right. To be honest, though, after saying all these negative things about the back end of the Giants roster, uh, there are a couple of guys at the back end of the Giants who were at the back end of the Giants roster uh, who, you know, I think have have moved up quite a bit uh, over time. And, you know, you mentioned the defensive backfield. And at some point, I assume you want to going to want to talk about about that. But that's one place where they're they're getting some production from unexpected sources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, I think let's let's talk about the, about the defensive backfield a little bit. And we, we obviously have to talk about Jason Pinnock. And I know there's been a ton of gnashing of teeth all through the offseason about why couldn't the Giants pay Julian Love and why didn't they bring Julian Love back? And it's a salary cap league, people. At some point in time, at certain positions, you have to look at the talent that you have on the roster. You have to look at the young players you have on the roster and and think, okay, I could sign this player for, you know, for $4 million a year, or I could go with this young player on a rookie contract who, who is really deserving of a starting opportunity. And that's what the Giants are doing with Jason Pinnock. And Jason Pinnock is showing you why the Giants moved on from Julian Love. Dane Belton, I think, showed some improvement last night. Undrafted free agent Alex Cook is a guy that I probably neglected to put in my to give a kudos in my kudos and wet willies after the game. He's a guy that Emory Hunt loves. Emory Hunt, a football game plan, good friend of uh, good friend of the podcast. But uh, Emory loves Alex Cook, and I think Alex Cook showed you that he can probably make the practice squad last night. So, you know, so I think that that you know give give the organization and the coaching staff some credit for knowing what they had yeah and uh and of course you didn't mention one back of the roster 
player, and that's Trey Hawkins, who Oh, we no, haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, who, who nobody mm -hmm. nobody thought in round six that he was going everybody said developmental, developmental. Well, he's developed pretty fast, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and you know, you did your piece, and I, I've said this, I you did your piece on on rookie cornerbacks, you know, and whether or not they can be successful in the NFL. And 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 I've you know, I've talked about it a little bit as well. It's not easy to play cornerback in the NFL. It's not as easy, to be honest with you, as Tay Banks and Trey Hawkins made it look last night. If the Giants are going to go with those guys on the outside, and I think they will, maybe not full time. I think I think they will when the matchups warrant it. Excuse well, me. Been, when they, yeah, when they play teams like Dallas, exactly. where where, where Ceedee Lamb is is your slot guy, where the best receiver on the other team is the slot guy, I think you'll see a lot of that. Yeah, but and it's they're going to be up and down, but they're both showing to me. They're both showing that they can play. Yeah. So I mean, Hawkins was, I think, a complete surprise to to just about everyone and uh and he looked to me he looked great last night in the times when when the camera found him it seemed to me he he had he had you know nice tight coverage most of the time was not getting beat by receivers and uh everything that's been coming out of training camp about how well he's played it, it carried over to to the game last night and so I think it's becoming more and more likely. I mean, I, by the end of the game, I'm thinking, okay, what's the lineup week one against Dallas? And you got to pick three guys to handle CD lamb, Michael Gallup and Brandon cooks, which is a, which is an imposing trio of, of guys. And I'm thinking, well, why not put a Dory Jackson on CD lamb and let, and let banks and Hawkins handle, handle cooks and, and Gallup in, in some in some you know order, I don't know, uh, but I, I it wouldn't surprise me if the Giants did that right right off the bat in Game One because I thought you know Hawkins in his first game action looked great, and I thought Deontay Banks looked good too. I understand that he he almost gave up a touchdown that that uh, 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 Jameson but Williams I, dropped. But I would but, but I would but, argue I would argue that he that 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 Banks had something to do with that oh, drop. That's what I was going to say. It's not obvious to me that Jamison Williams just dropped that because because Banks had his hand in there, and he was and he was right on Jamison Williams' back too. So I mean, the, the first thing that I think you want to see from a defensive back is that he's not getting beat. And we saw you know clips on on Twitter during the early part of training camp. There was one there was one clip of Darren Waller putting a move on on Banks and and blowing right past him and Banks was 5 yards behind after after a couple of seconds he said, "Oh my god, that's terrible coverage." And and you saw him being beaten consistently, I think early early in camp. But my sense of things, not not being at camp myself to, to know for sure, but my sense of things from what I see is that he's improved as camp has gone on. And and when I was watching him last night, uh, I, I thought that play in particular, I thought he had a, even if whether he touched the ball or not, I think he at least uh, made it difficult for Jamison Williams to do that. And Jamison Williams is a guy who should have been a first round draft pick. Uh, a year ago, where it was it not for for his injury, and so so he's somebody who who could could turn into royalty in the in the NFL if if he um, uh, manages to catch the ball well, well because he certainly he certainly got the talent. And I, I thought again when the camera found Banks, I thought I saw 
him keeping up with receivers and going stride for stride with receivers most of the time I was watching him. And so I'm, I'm starting to, to get this sense of, of Banks as a guy who just needed some acclimation, but as he's starting to get used to things, he's getting more and more comfortable and, and maybe his, his raw talent is starting to, to show through. And so I'm going to be anxious to see as we go week to week and month to month, whether you know, I see further improvement uh, from him and, and, you know, maybe by the end of the season, maybe by midseason, even, you know, he becomes the guy that, that you thought that he might be when the Giants took him in the first round. And if, and if they can, that can happen. And if Hawkins can actually be a quality corner on the opposite side then and that's an amazing thing for the Giants defense yeah that's that's a huge bonus and and the last thing I would say about those two young men Trey Hawkins missed a tackle last night but I have said for years I've said again and again and again if you don't come into the NFL knowing how to tackle being willing to tackle being able to tackle you're not going to learn how to do that in the NFL just because of the way practices and practices are now. You never do it. And both of those young men can tackle on the outside, and that's that's another somewhat overlooked but really important positive thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and and I feel that what we're seeing from both of them so far is – more than what we've seen from any cornerback in, 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 in training camp preseason, more than we've seen from any cornerbacks the Giants have drafted in a, a few years now. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that, that maybe they, they finally have, have the, the guys they need back there. And it's such an important part of a Wink Martindale defense that, that the cornerbacks not get beat immediately. You know, I also thought we've talked a lot about the depth and and obviously preseason game like last night is a lot about the depth players. One of the places we keep talking about depth for the Giants, and I still think they'll be looking at the waiver wire when cuts get made, um, you know, later this month at the end of the preseason. But edge guys last night, you know, a, a bunch of edge guys had good nights. Tomon Fox had a lot to do with that one interception with the, the Pinnock interception. Um, Habakkuk Baldonado, you know, w- was a force coming off the edge in the, uh, in the second half and, and shoot, he busted out the, uh, he busted out the, the Justin Tuck bow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, 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 and even, you know, Tayshawn Bauer made some plays. Yeah. So, and, and, and it's not to say that that maybe the you know that the giants definitely have the answers there but if tom if tomon fox in particular takes a step forward from last year then then maybe that need isn't as bad as we thought yeah and i've been worried about the edge position i i agree with you completely i've been worried about the edge position for a while now because although I like both both Thibodeau and and Aziz. Uh, you know that you know that you're just one injury away from having to 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 get into that depth. And uh, Tomon Fox is someone that you know, I mean I don't I don't want to get too excited about him, but you know, he looks like a pretty decent player. And and I 
I don't know where you put, you know, Giad Ward in, in, in all of this, but I mean, Giad Ward is kind of a part-time edge, part-time inside, part-time everywhere kind of uh, guy. But Tomon Fox at this point looks to me like, like edge three on, on the, the, the depth chart. And, uh, and I don't want to conclude too much off of one performance, but, but to me, he seems to have moved ahead of O'Shane Zimenez. And, uh, and I liked Baldonado last night too. And I was happy to see that because I thought he was the, he was the one guy besides Bryce Ford Wheaton, who, who really looks like he needs to be a practice squad guy. Does not look like he's a, he's a, he's a 53 man roster caliber player yet. Uh, but Baldonado was, was the other guy that they, that they uh, took as undrafted free agent that I was intrigued by a little bit since they didn't draft and edge and i liked the way he looked last night i thought the penalty that was called on him was a terrible call for the penalty and i didn't think he did anything bad at all yeah, maybe there point. was maybe there was a touch of helmet to helmet there yeah. but i thought that was that's yeah. just typical nfl overprotective of of quarterbacks but exactly it, you mentioned bryce ford wheaton and that leads us to talking about a couple of things that maybe we didn't like last night you know other than uh other than offensive line play. And, you know, ever since the Giants signed Bryce Ford Wheaton, there has been a drumbeat of Giants fans thinking, oh, there's no way that the Giants can try to pass him through to the practice squad. There's no way they can waive him because somebody will claim him and put him on their 53-man roster, and he has to be on the roster spot. He has to be on the 53. Sorry, folks. There were... I think 32 or 33 wide receivers drafted in the 2023 NFL draft. Bryce Ford Wheaton was not one of them. He runs fast. He jumps high. He's got all kinds of physical skills, but he showed you why last night. He dropped a very catchable ball. He had an opportunity to make another catch on a deeper pass from Tommy DeVito that he didn't make. He committed a very, very obvious offensive pass interference penalty. I love the guy's athleticism and his physical tools too, but he is no more than a practice squad player at this point in time. And, and I absolutely think that, that he showed that last night. Yeah, I think he, it, it's the first time I've ever seen him in action myself. I never watched any of his games at the what, West Virginia is where he, right. right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I never watched any of his games. It was the first time I've seen him, and I just thought this is a guy who's got yeah, I got all the physical skills, but but doesn't really know how to play football yet, uh, or doesn't know how to play football well yet, I should say. And uh, he reminded me a little bit of of uh, of a, a much more uh, heralded uh, wide receiver, Quentin Johnston, uh, who's now uh, with the Chargers. No, another another guy who's got lots of physical tools, but I question how good a football play he player he is right now i mean they're they're different ends of the spectrum because quentin johnson has a, has amazing physical uh skills and he's a first round pick right? pretty first round pick right right but but i thought i saw some of the the same here's somebody who doesn't know how to use the physical skills that he's got yet to play football well and uh the flip side of that though is something else that occurred to me last night and you know one of the things i think that that all of us in fandom do all the time is is we notice 
free agents that are out there at positions of need for the Giants and say, oh, why don't the Giants sign this guy? Why don't the Giants get that guy? And and, and so on and so forth, right? The latest latest one was uh, Justin Houston, right? And uh, you know, people are looking for the Giants to pick up an edge, and they're still well-known edge players uh, out there, Jadavian Clowney and, and, and so on and so forth. But the, I, I think the, the thing that, that uh, I've concluded about Joe Shane is that, is that he will sign veteran free agents, but only ones at the low end of the cost spectrum. And he's not going to go after big ticket free agents unless they're, uh, he'll pick his spots. I mean, he did that with, with Okereke, for example, but, but for the most part, he's not going to go after free agents that are going to cost him more than, than a couple of million dollars. That having been said, he will, you know, you'd say, well, look at how much depth the Giants have at wide receiver, even if, even without Bryce Ford Wheaton, assuming he goes to the practice squad, you know, you see how much depth they have at wide receiver and the difficult decisions that they're going to have to make. Why is he going and signing these these veteran players like Cole Beasley and uh, Jamison Crowder. Well, you saw last night these these veteran possession receivers who he gets for about a million dollars and change. You know they can still play ball. And if you if you watch you know the passing last night, those were the guys that Devito was was going to when he needed to make a play. And so you know that type of veteran. Uh, presence uh, on a team can can really be valuable if you can get them for 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 a low price. Whether either or both of them will actually make the fifty three, I have no idea. But they they both can still play. Absolutely, I know people were interested this week when the Anthony Barr rumors started, and in the end, there was no visit to to New Jersey by Barr. And, and I think, you know, what Joe Shane said was, I want to spend the preseason looking at the young players that we have. You're looking at the, the young edge guys that we've talked about, looking at the undrafted inside linebackers, the guys like Troy Brown and Deontay Johnson. What will happen is there's one cut this year from 90 to 53 at the end of the preseason if Joe Shane and the Giants think a move needs to get made, think a veteran needs to get added, there's going to be a lot of guys, a lot of experienced players available at that point in time. And that's when he'll make a move. It won't be a hugely expensive move, but it'll be, you know, but it, it'll be a move for a veteran player who can come in and, and give you and give you some adequate play. And uh, and I think that's what I would expect. Uh, the other thing that that I wanted to to mention, Tony, before we wrap it up, is last night was a uh, preseason game. The final score didn't matter, uh, but you know, don't tell any of that to Brian Dable. Brian Dable, <laughs> you know, first preseason game or not, Brian Dable got himself worked up. He got into faces of some offensive linemen, and and. And he gave Thomas McGahee the absolute death stare after that 94-yard punt return. And uh, you you, got to love Dable. Well, Dable is such a fascinating character, I have to admit, right? Because, you know, his players love him. 
I, yeah, I, I believe everything, everything su suggests that he obviously cares about them and, and he's, he's put a lot of thought into how to be a good head coach, not only from a, a nuts and bolts standpoint, but how to relate to players and get the most out of players. They, they he cares about what the players think he wants the players to give him input on what they like to do, the favorite plays and, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. But then on the sideline, you see this other side of him where you, where the the full moon comes out and he turns into the wolf man. He just, and he, just absolutely bonkers on guys who've made bad plays. He admits that he sort of blacks out when he does that, and he doesn't even remember what he said to people half the time. But I will say this. I've watched enough Giants practices this year. I haven't been at every one, but I've watched enough Giants practices this year that what has been really, really interesting to me, Brian Dable yells at his coaches more than he yells at his players. He yells at his coaches more than his players. He is absolutely all over the coaching staff during these 11-on-11 periods. If they can't get the substitutions in properly, if they don't get guys on and off the field, if they don't get the right personnel in the game. And, and I kind of like it. Because, you know, a lot of those things, the, the substitutions, the personnel packages, how quickly you get a play into the quarterback or how quickly you get the defense into whoever's wearing the, the microphone on defense, those things matter. And, and I kind of love the fact that that he's holding his coaches to a high standard. Yeah, and and I, and I have to think if you're one of the players – watching that happen it's actually in its own strange way it's a positive thing because the the vibe i guess then on the sideline is not that it's it's the coaches versus the players and something bad happens absolutely and, and coaches are all descending on the players but rather but rather it's it's dable being an equal opportunity <laughs> uh blaster of of anyone that he thinks <laughs> not, has not done the right thing and the coaches aren't immune to it either and the players have to i think feel at least a little good about that that they're not always being picked on by the head coach but of course i mean he'll 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 yell at the players plenty too i mean he right he was on he was on that offensive line uh, earlier in the game when they didn't do something Absolutely. i remember back in game one last year after daniel jones threw the interception in the fourth quarter he immediately lit into daniel jones but then he kind of let up and said well what did you see you know and jones mm -hmm. told so and they said well that's not what i saw and then yeah they, yeah, he just and he just went on from that, and so I kind of like how he does that, and I think it shows his passion for the game. The only thing I, the only thing I say to myself when I see him doing one of those things is, okay, don't have a heart attack. You know, your weight isn't, <laughs> weight isn't where it's supposed to be. <laughs> no, which uh, which he admits, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he's. I, I saw what did they they showed a photo last night of Brian Dable and Dan Campbell about 10 years ago when I think both guys were on the Miami Dolphins coaching yes. staff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry, I looked at that picture of Brian Dable and I thought, you know, not only is that a younger face, but that's about half of the guy that, that, that coaches the giants right now. <laughs> Whereas Dan Campbell might be pretty much the same weight he was when he was a tight end for the Giants. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, Tony, appreciate the time. I think that's a good place to, to, to wrap it up. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. 
Please stay safe out there. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.